And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Hello and welcome into Seven Fifty-five is real. Cam Molina here with a quick producer's note off the top of today's show with David, Eric, and friend of the program Kelly Johnson. In today's show, the guys discuss the injury scare that Orlando Arcia suffered. In the series finale against the Reds, he was hit by a 98-mile-per-hour fastball in the wrist. The initial prognosis was optimistic. X-rays came back negative. However, we have just come to learn you know, minutes before, seconds before I decided to post this podcast that Orlando Arcia actually has a micro-fracture in his wrist following an MRI and CT scan. He has gone to the IL. There have been no subsequent moves made in lieu of him going to the injured list. But David, Eric, and Kelly at the time the show was recorded did not have that information. So some of the conversation may be dated as it relates to his health. So without further ado, I'll get out of the way. And David, Eric, and Kelly will take it away with an exceptional episode of 755 is Real. Welcome back to 755 is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer at The Athletic. I'm with my regular co-host, as always, Eric O'Flaherty. What's up, Eric? What's up, Dave? And we got a uh, very special guest tonight, today, a friend of the show. You guys know him. You love him. Multi-time brave, multi-time met. <laughs> Kelly Johnson. What's up, Kelly? How you doing, man? Hey, well, yeah, my transaction history kind of just, that's all I am these days. I'm just, who did you get traded to? Who did you play for? And did you, how many oh, man, American that's... League East teams did you play for? It's got to be a fun one when you meet That's people it. that don't know much about your career and they ask what team you played for. What was it you played for every <laughs> AL East team, right, in a span of like a year? <laughs> AL East, yeah, two-year two two year calendar, all five of them. But yeah, That's man, awesome. it's, uh, it's pretty funny to, when, you, when people say, oh, who did you play for? I'm like, well, eight teams, <laughs> you know, and then they want to hear them all, and you're kind of like, well, okay. But, <laughs> I just say know, the Mariners because it's quick. Every the only guy I know that you live in. Yep. Yeah. The, the only guy I've talked to recently who played for more teams than you, but they weren't all in the major leagues, obviously, was uh, Michael Tonkin. That dude mm. played everywhere, four countries. Yeah. What a yeah, story that a guy is. What a story he is. And I then he made me look good. Eric, I wrote that story. We talked about him in the show he Monday, the next or Tuesday. Day that Tuesday. Night. It made me look great that night. He pitches yeah. three scoreless or three almost perfect innings, he gave up one hit. Yeah, he's got, got some win. good stuff. You wonder how yeah. guys like that, you know, why it took so long to click. But, you know, props to him for sticking with it till it did. Yeah, because right now he's well, you got, got a spot. You got Jesse Chavez. Chavez yep. played on, you know, Every more, team more teams that I have in the big leagues. So, well, he's actually, most, you know, I was looking at him. Guy. He does a well, lot of repeats. He, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does a lot of repeats, though. He, got, yeah, he, he went back to the Cubs. He went back. You know, back to the Braves, back to the Royals. I mean, different teams. Four times four with the Braves. Times. Four times with yeah. the Braves. 
That says a lot about a guy's character, though, right? The teams want him back. Yeah, well, yeah. that's exactly what I said um, I, when I was down in the spring doing some radios. Uh, when he pitched, I said the same thing. I said, I said, when you get a guy like that, that you know, yeah, he's been traded a lot or he's been around, but yeah. if you look at his his transactions, he's going back as a free agent yeah. or as a trade to the same teams. That says they want that, him back. That basically tells you this guy's a good dude, and they want him in that clubhouse and. You know, you can see why, obviously. And he came back to the Braves this time on a minor league deal, but, you know, obviously they let him know, you're going to make the team if you pitch well. And he did. And right now, he and Tonkin have been the biggest guys in the pen as yep. far as innings and yep. scoreless innings and all that. I mean, they've been – especially with Colin out, you know, because Colin's just huge. That rolls more Colin back to we, uh, And that's, that's, a, that's a huge – that can't go, you know – overlooked because we've got obviously Iglesias in the bullpen and he's on the DL. So he's right. going to come back and, but obviously, you know, he comes back and we expect him to be great, but it, it doesn't just right. typically doesn't just happen. Like he's going to need time to build back up. Yeah. Just like we're seeing with Kirby Yates, Nick Anderson. Um, you know, you got guys like that, that, you know, they need their time to get back to being who they were. And you got guys stepping up like Tompkin and uh, Chavi and uh, you know and 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 Lee and those guys. So I mean, Dylan right? Lee, oh, I mean, man. you got he, you're, Dylan you're, Lee gets you're so overlooked. Yeah, yeah, because Mentor had pitched back to back nights, so they went to Nick Anderson night before last, and he pitched great, got the save. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they've had it's been a multi. Here's the thing: they've been without Iglesias, so he'll go out on a rehab assignment. He hasn't pitched off the mound yet unless he did it yesterday, but I don't think he did. He's going to need a little rehab assignment, but they'll get McHugh back next week. He's not going to go on rehab. If he does, it'll be one. Yeah. And Because uh, he he threw off the mound yesterday. He told me he uh, had his best velo yesterday, uh, throwing off the mound yesterday that he's had all year. So he's going to travel with the team to KC, work out there once, to come home when they go to San Diego probably, go on a rehab, and then be he'll be activated next week. Um, but the bullpen – Second most innings in the majors this year, 54. The fourth best whip, 107, which leads the NL. Fourth lowest opponent's average, 199, which also leads the NL. And that's without their closer and without McHugh for most of the season. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, oh, I mean, that's your, that's, that's your, you know, that stuff better than me. But I mean, what I, what I would say about all that that's so impressive is, you know, the starting pitching has guys, you know, depth and numbers and all that. But sometimes your starters, you got some injuries like we got. They stretch out and start doing really well at some point. That's going to happen. Yeah. And they need to pick up innings to give the bullpen a rest. But right now, the bullpen's picking them up. And to be able to do both, man, that's where good teams really set themselves apart. It's been so crucial because he had four starts by the two prospects. Three of those went sideways, did not go well at all. Uh, so they ate up a lot of innings in those, you know, with uh, Schuster leaving really early, Dodd leaving early in one of his. And then and then even like Strider, you know, going five innings instead of seven, you know, that's been just about every night. I mean, they, they haven't been getting many six and seven innings so far at all. And they've covered them. Yeah, what? Well, it clearly sees what I think everyone else is seeing, and, and I, it feels like a plan to me. It doesn't feel like this is just, you know, oh, crap, you know, right. we need to go to our bullpen again. I think they know what they've got, 
and the depth they've got, and they're taking advantage. And, and I think it's the right move. He's, he's been smart, too, and not – I mean, there's been plenty of occasions where nobody would have questioned, you know, like taking Schuster out of a start early, right. Dodds the other day. He's right. he's aware that you you can't ride like this all year long, so he's given the starters a chance. And, you know, it's paid off. It paid off in Schuster's first start. Um, but for me, the most important role in the pen these days is that sixth, seventh, you know, being able to get through that, keep the game close if you're down Rich. one or two – eighth, ninth, because most teams have a pretty lights out dude for the eighth and ninth, but so many games and the Braves bullpen has done an amazing job and that's why they have such a good record. But so many games are decided in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning after that starter comes out. Yeah. That bridge has been really strong, man. Cause uh, the, uh, like you said, they could have taken a lot of managers would have bailed, would have pulled Schuster out of there in the first inning. Yep, and Snit let it. That was a brutal inning to watch. They batted through the order, and he kept him. He he kept him in, and he ends up yep. saving a bullpen. He because yep. then he settled down and pitched great for the next really well for the next three or four innings. Yeah. So there's been a couple of nights like that where he could have really uh, knee jerk reaction and 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 panicked and got a guy out of there and didn't. Yeah. And, 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 and the, the easy move is to yank him. That's the easy yeah. move, you know, because you don't have that to answer questions, questions about that. Right. And it helps both the team, obviously, the bullpen, but also the kid. He's not destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Schuster would have been destroyed if that in his debut, if he'd have got yanked before the end of the first in inning. The first, yeah. That's After where you start asking. Two guys, two guys walk two bases. Too. Two bases loaded walks. Yeah. That would have hung on him down in triple A for oh my God. Yeah. Um couple of facts. I wanted to a couple of facts before we get into last night. Uh Acuna. You you still see people, some people on Twitter say, I can't believe they're still batting Acuna leadoff when he hits a home run every time. Why is he batting leadoff on this team? <laughs> Acuna, this year, as the first batter in the first inning this season, leading off games, is 8 for 12, 667, two doubles, a homer, one walk, no strikeouts, 1,083 slugging, and a 1776 OPS. Leading off the Braves games this year. Among yeah. hitters with at least 15 at-bats in the majors this year, leading off any inning, any inning, because he's he's really good leading off a lot of innings, but among hitters with at least 15 ABs leading off an inning, Acuna leads the majors, 500 average. He's 550. He's 11 for 20. And his and leads the majors with a fourteen forty one OPS. That's leading off. That's leading off any inning. The guy gets so fired up leading off innings and jumps on first pitch fastballs. He doesn't get many more of them. He saw. He's already seen at least two or three first pitch sliders this year to start games. I throw him one every time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know he's coming up there to do damage. Yeah, but man, yeah, but just he's I mean, just re-energized. Why he is? Why would you move him? I don't see any reason to move him. Number one, you got you got the DH. You know, obviously, yeah. you're you're getting your best hitter up as many times as or your most dangerous hitter up as, as many times as possible. It is it's the way these lineups are are constructed these days. Yeah, you got your your best hitters hitting first, second. It's not your best hitter hitting third anymore. That just doesn't right. It doesn't really come into play. And we still got Riley and Olson. Yeah. Not to mention. The guys behind them aren't bad either. So, you know, why would you? And in in, in the Braves lineup, there is zero reason to think there's any 
there's no good explanation to move him back. You can't, I can't right. think of one. And even if it was conventional, um, you, you can't dismiss the fact that this is a special kid, special athlete, and he just, there's something about leading off the games because he's very flamboyant. He's very much a, you know, showy type guy. He likes to be out there to start the game with his music yeah. playing. He likes to go out there, set the tone. So more power to him because a lot of guys don't want to do that. You know, he wants it. He loves yeah. it. And he don't want to ease into the game. He wants to go yeah. out there and swing at the first pitch. He's a, he's ready. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's a dream come true as a leadoff guy. He's like the modern day leadoff guy in so many ways. And now with the bait, with the rules this year, he's running like crazy again because he's healthy. He's got six stolen bases already. I mean, yeah. they've played, what, 14 games? So, yeah, yep. he, these, these guys right. can almost steal at will, Eric. These The fast guys, they're just stealing at will. There's, Your success it. rate is huge. Kelly, did you think it'd make that much yeah. of a difference making the bag, like, however much bigger it is? I think it's the pickoff throws more than anything myself. Yeah, I do too. I don't- yeah, I don't. I don't think that the bag really has anything to do with it. There, you know, that would all come down just in bang bang plays, and you know, who's keeping that stat? I don't know if anyone's going to keep that stat or not. But you know, right. that I've been reading. I've been reading some articles and seeing some things said about uh, base stealing is kind of becoming a little bit of an art again. And there's yeah. been some new, some new, not new methods. It's kind of old methods that are now being kind of rethought. Oh, that Yankee, the Yankee Yeah, exactly. You know, there's, there's, there's a little bit of a momentum hop. To, yeah. it, it used to be that was how you were taught to steal third. If you were at second right, and you right. were going to steal third, you, you couldn't do it from a standstill. You had to have a little momentum, and it was a little bit more about timing. Uh-huh. Well, that's become a, this, new, this new fad from first. So right. I, think, I think between that and between the idea that you know the pitch clock. If you really, if you really think about a pitcher getting the ball and ready to make his pitch in that twenty seconds or fifteen or whatever it is, fifteen you know, with no runners on base, only, twenty with runner on. That only help, that only helps the base dealer. I mean, they know what what kind of timing you're working with, and at some point he has to go home or pick off. Yeah. And I think at some point you you just know what to what you're going to get, and you start taking some really educated guesses. And I, right, I'll, right. I'll tell you right now, I mean, coaching staff and uh, front offices, they employ people that just watch pitchers pick off moves. And I, I had a coach one time that he could whistle. He could say my last name. He, he gave a cue, some kind of verbal cue that said, hey, you are 100 percent not going to get picked off right here. He's going home. So by how he but, came said or something was, like that. He just he could just see the signs. He could maybe he knew the manager's sign to the catcher. Maybe he knew the, he could see the catcher's sign. Whatever it was, they've always got somebody that's doing that stuff, and and they know with a, without a shadow of a doubt, like hey, they are not picking off right here. So you're good. And if you get that kind of a, a that kind of info, that kind of scouting, you know, watch out. I mean, you're just going to run like crazy. And 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 after the guy has thrown over once, I thought that it would really it would really affect it if he throws over two, because then he's they've got that then he's either got to pick them off or it's a balk. But actually, it's not. There's only taken one. Yeah, because they know he doesn't. They know yeah. he doesn't want to get to two. Yeah. So 
I mean, it's like it's like Michael Harris was telling me. You know, it's like they get that one, and it's all, take your base. It's off to the races. <laughs> They're going. So, but uh, yeah, I read that Yankee story, man. That was fascinating to see the video that was in the Athletic, and they had the video of him doing that. And yeah. what it is is that little hop, and a lot of teams say are still kind of questioning it because they think that once you get both feet in the air, you're so vulnerable. But apparently the Yankees have fi- have worked it have figured it out that they most pitchers can't do that, react that quickly. And that momentum you get from that little hop when both feet are in the air, you know, with that little hop when you to, to It's like a spring. Yeah, yeah. And they led the minor leagues in stolen bases the last couple of years and let Yankees did. And so far, their major league team this year has employed that, and they're really up in in, in stolen bases this year. So it'll be interesting to see if other teams, because you know how baseball is, everybody quickly adopts to something if it works. Oh yeah, so that'll Everybody that'll make its way around. Game. I mean, but for sure. Yeah. I mean, and the pitcher, the pitchers will make an adjustment. You yeah. know, you're you're um, you know who knows, but I think I think. I think the stolen bases uh, have gone up for a good, is a good thing. I, I think it's yeah, a good part of the too. game. And I, I also love, I, I know people are torn on it. I, I love that the shift is banned. I mean, I yeah. love seeing guys hit the ball yeah. hard and get rewarded versus hang with them. Like we've got seven guys on the right side of the field. Yeah. Um, and you're out. And I know that, you know, again, I get all the arguments. But I absolutely love it. I mean, I saw, I've seen a number of guys roll over, uh, especially left-handed hitters, uh, roll over and hit it hard. And you're thinking, well, you know, someone will be there. But now, no, it's a base yeah. hit. It's, it's, I don't know. It's good to see. It's I nice like it. that it's, it's uh, generating more offense and all that. And you know yeah. what I also love? I love seeing second baseman make that play again that we haven't seen for years, going to their left, getting the ball at the back of the dirt. Going to first because we haven't seen that for so long because there's been a guy standing in shallow right field taking that ball and the second baseman yeah. playing over towards the bag. You're right. That How do you think that affects day. a lefty's batting average, Kelly? Uh, it's got him. I mean, I, I have zero statistics to back up anything. I haven't looked into it, but I mean, you can just look at the guys that that we played Olsen. with, I, I know for myself. Look at Brian Brian McCann. Yeah, I mean, prime example of a guy that was like yeah. a three hundred hitter. Yeah, and then they start shifting him, and forty. You know, all of a sudden he's, he's like a he's like a two forty hitter, and yeah, yeah. You know, you, that's that alone. I mean, that happened to every left handed hitter, except for a very few. But well, whatever. I mean, it, it is what it is. But it's it's. I like that we're getting hits again. I like seeing base hits. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Look at Olsen. I got a stat here for Olsen, which kind of plays into what you're saying. Because as much as he struck out, He's leading the majors in strikeouts now, right now with 22 because he's had a couple of golden sombreros already. 22 strikeouts and 61 plate appearances. But he's tied for second in the NL with nine extra base hits, tied for fourth in the NL with four homers, and he's hitting 294 with a 410 OBP while leading the majors in strikeouts. That goes to what you're saying because that's the difference in those hits he's had through yeah. the right side. Just a few hits makes a big yep. difference. So, yeah, the yeah, biggest he, benefit for a lefty used to be, too, if you had a runner on first base, you know, and they had to hold him on. That hole was right. so big. Give up so many cheap ground ball singles over there. In the last, however, five, ten years, it's just been, well, guess what? There's two guys standing up, you know. Right. There's a guy right in that hole, and then there's a shortstop, you know, off to the second base side of first base, and they crush a ball, and it's a double play. And he's got Acuna on first base almost every time to start. Yeah, that's a good setup for him. Yep. And Riley coming up behind him. I mean, he's in the ideal hitting position, Olsen is. Yeah. yeah. He's got to get a lot better than that. He, he's been impressive. I mean, I know, I, know, I know everyone paid attention to how monster that spring training was for him. But, you know, I, Braves fans have seen it before. Guys, J.D. Drew, Andrew yeah. Jones, I'm sure there's been others that had – they were locked in from day one of camp. And you have these exceptional hitters, and I mean, I think I think Matt Olson's in for one heck of a year, and uh, just by going off of that, he's been locked in from the beginning. So whatever he did in the off season, yeah, yeah I mean, he did it. He did it right. It's clicking. So it's he, gonna he be exciting with, to follow him. He worked with that dude Krieger at Three uh, P, and you could see if you look at if you look at video from last year to this year, how much he was shifting all his weight to his back foot. And then as he called it, and he and Sites called it, crashing forward with his hands. And it just made him so vulnerable to so many pitches. And this year he's able to wait on balls longer, use the whole field. I mean, he's getting line drive hits. He's had a couple up the left field line. Yeah. He's pulling balls. He's hitting tons of balls up the middle like that monster home run was just to the right of center. I mean, he's using the whole field. Uh, I, Chipper, Chipper had a great point. Chipper was saying what's really, ama- what's really impressed Chipper about him this year is – He's got this checklist, obviously, that even when he has a terrible day, instead of it being stretched to like 0 for 20 like it did last year when he had that horrible uh, skid, the worst uh, slump of his life in September, this year it's not lasted more than a day. And he came back from the Golden Sombrero in St. Louis where he was 0, 0 for 5 with 4Ks, uh, and the next day had two doubles and a home run. The next day, day game after the night game when he had the Golden Sombrero. And then last night he has yeah. 4Ks. So, I mean, he's, but he's able to snap out of it. He's able to go back and do these checklists that he's uh, put together with Krieger. I think, yes, Krieger's his name, former minor league hitter. Um, and really, it's just night and day what he's how, how good he looks at the plate this year. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's been impressive. I mean, listen, and the that, that Braves lineup. Yeah, he, he, he's doing all right. I mean, the, the Braves have really built a, a strong group of position players. I mean, it's. It's exciting to watch. I mean, that lineup, no joke. I mean, we've, we're talking about the base stealing, and I, 
I mean, it took all of two innings to watch Sean Murphy catch and throw to be like, okay, yeah. that's a weapon. Yeah. So, we talked about it all spring, I mean, and then the first man. time I saw it live in a game, somebody trying to run on him, how quick he got rid of it. I was like, all right, you know, you got to see it sometimes. Yeah. But I was like, Kelly, I get it now. Kelly, when they did throwing yeah. drills in spring training this year, they did more of them this year throwing to third and doing and doing back picks, which they haven't really worked on in the past yeah. because with the new rules. When he was throwing with the other catchers, people would stop and go over there to watch him throw. It was so impressive and so unusual. I mean, it stands out. It's like yeah. – the seven catchers throwing, and when he would throw it, it'd be like, okay, that's just totally different. That's like, you know, Acuna in a batting cage. I mean, that's the equivalent of it. You know, this, the sound different off his bat. Well, the the view is different with this guy throwing. The ball and fly, Riley, the, that hissing sound when it comes yeah, out of his hand. Yeah. The pitcher said when he throws about a mound, you can hear it just hissing. you got to get the <laughs> hell out of the way, man. Yeah. That's whip. He's no. impressive. He, and he's he, the most unassuming quiet guy, ultimate teammate. He gets to the ballpark and his head's buried in the book. He researches everything. He is no nonsense, man. Everybody loves the guy. Good dude. Yep. Uh, Fun to watch, man. It's going to be a good year. Hey, one more time. One more on Acuna before we move on here. Uh, also, leading off an inning for his career, he's now got 880 plate appearances leading off an inning, which is what? A little less than two seasons worth of plate appearances leading off an inning. He has hit 288 with 38 doubles, four triples, 53 home runs leading off an inning. 547 slug and 905 OPS leading off innings. Wow. Yeah. He's got his legs back. Oh, yeah. he's And his arm in the outfield, man, he's making plays that last year he just would not try to make. Coming in, diving, he's making all those plays now. And he might even miss a ball, but he's trying to get it, and he's limited into a single and then getting up through a couple of guys out that tried to go to second on him when he missed the catch. That was probably the impressive. most uh, noticeable thing for me with him watching him last year was when he had to run full speed and then slow down fast to, to right. get a ball in the outfield and like kind of prepare to change directions. Right. He would look pretty and, ginger a lot of times doing that. And this year and he they, just looks ready. And they said that's what the ACL coming back, the deceleration is what really bothers you. Yeah. You could see it. And I don't see it this year. Not at all. Not at no, all. I haven't was- seen it. You know, he doesn't even put ice on it after games either. He's not even, like, needing anything. That's a good sign. Um, last night, man, the Braves escaped a potentially devastating injury last night when Arcia gets hit on the left wrist by a Hunter Green 98-mile-an-hour fastball. And it hit him pretty flush, too. And immediate reaction is, I thought Hammett bone. Then it looked like it was more on the wrist. And I thought, that might be a broken wrist. But he wears so much tape and so tight, t- tightly taped and 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 right to his uh, gloves, which are also really tight and I think padded. I think it might have helped save him last night because they did x-rays. He stayed in the game for the rest of the inning but came out before a pin- they had a pinch hit or Adrian's a pinch hit because it started swelling and started hurting. And he did x-rays, negative. So, I mean, if this guy, the way he's playing, had a fractured wrist, that would be really rough because he's off to a tremendous start on both sides of the ball. I mean, he's playing as well defensively as he's hitting. Yeah. No, I mean, he, you would hate to see something like that. That story does, does not need to happen. I mean, he's, he, uh, he's, he hung around, he's been there kind of just, you know, being a contributor, 
and the yeah. way things shook out, you know, the, the, to be able to have that job, I mean, he earned it, but at the same time, I think everyone would probably agree that it was going to be some, he was going to be some kind of placeholder. Yeah. Right. He's not playing like a placeholder. I mean, he's right. It's, and I know that, you know, from, from talking to guys in spring training, um, you know, the concern with him is, and, and it is for a lot of guys is how do they handle mentally and physically being an everyday guy? There's a little bit of concern with him. His tendencies have been when he's gotten extended time, right. that he looks a little more fatigued, loses a little bit of focus. You know, it's a, it's a real, you know, uh, separator between the guys that are making a hundred million dollars and the guys right. that, you know, piece together a good career as a backup. So, um, he's, he's got a long way to go, but he looks great. I think them being aware of that, they can sprinkle in off days. They can kind of take care of him. And, you know, I, I would hate to see anything happen to him because he's really taken, taken this opportunity. You know, it's just been so fun to watch him play. His defense has been phenomenal. Don't yeah, you think you can, uh, having that role taken away from you, you know, I think it's easy the first time to take it for granted, but then, you know, knowing as a player how hard it is to shake that, all right, you're a bench platoon guy, you're a backup role. If you ever get a chance to be an everyday starter or something like that again, you know, you can't do a ton about fatigue, I don't think, you know, if you're not built for it. But as far as the focus questions go, I think that second time, you know, kind of that rejuvenation of, hey, I got a chance to be a starter again and knowing what it feels like versus doing that bench role yeah. of grinding and trying to stay ready. You know, that that could help him and, and be kind of eye-opening for a lot of guys. Yeah, and yeah, last uh, year, he really impressed last year when he was filling in for yeah. uh, for Ozzy before he got hurt, too, with the hamstring. And that's what gave Grissom his opportunity. But before Grissom came up, I mean, Arcee was playing great in that second-base role with in place of Ozzy. And then after Grissom, people forget Grissom had an incredible first two weeks, but then he really slumped badly, and, and Snit went back to Arcea down the very stretch, and in the playoffs, he started R.C. at second base. Yep. What are you going to say, Kelly? Yeah. No, I mean, he's – I think what O was saying, you know, yeah, that that is a, a good point. Um, and and he's young enough to where – Yeah, 28. You know, he's get, he can get that opportunity. Yeah, he can get that opportunity yeah. and, and have sort of a second chance, you know, at being a, an, a, an everyday guy. I mean, he, he was there at 21 in Milwaukee. I mean, he was a big yeah. prospect. Yeah, yeah, so, two I mean, fifteen homer seasons for them as their shortstop. Yeah. He's he's tooled up. I mean, he's, yeah, he moves well. He, he can hit. He's got pop. He plays great D. He's got a good arm. I mean, yeah. but I, I like this. I like just watching him. I mean, he just right. looks fun. He looks at it like there's some energy there. You know, that's some. You know, not. He, yeah, he's not an energy sucker. You know, he's right. You're either given or you're taken. I mean, I think he's he's given. I mean, so I think it's, you know, it's really. It's really nice uh, surprise, I, I think. I mean, I think if you would ask anybody, I mean, I did. I asked people I talked to and I asked Snit. I mean, for him hitting, hitting ninth and yeah. just D'ing up, just play yeah. great D. And I think anything that came out of the bat was going to be right. gravy. So he's, right. he's doing exceptional with the bat. He's you know? great. So he's being, now he's bumped up and he's play, hitting sixth, seventh. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, I love watching him play shortstop because he's got that Latin kind of flair, but he makes all the standard plays he's supposed to make. And then he makes a couple of others, like the one the other day where he backhanded the ball and shoveled it to Ozzy at second. Ozzy wasn't even like, whoa. It was like, it was beautiful. But he's got a cannon, man, and it's accurate. He's got a strong yep. arm. 
and yes. his and his feet and his, his feet and his hands are so quick and work so well. I tell people, I said, look, because you know, I think you're right about. Uh, uh, I mean, he was driven because he hears us all winter how Grissom is working out with Wash down in New Orleans, you know, and the one on one drills and all that. And it was basically portrayed as it's going to be Grissom or Arcia. But as it, but it was kind of like with that tone of it's Grissom's to lose. If Grissom yep, does all exactly. this work and shows he's ready, we're oh, yeah. going with the younger guy. That was like what was said without saying. And I know Arcia saw that and 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 like, you know, what have I got to do? So the guy goes down and plays winter ball and focuses on offense and some changes he made in the swing because he's already confident in the defense. He knows the defense is there. And he did some work on his swing in the, in the winter, and he looks much better at the plate on a st- on a consistent basis this year. The ABs have been really good, and the defense never yep. has never uh, faltered at all. It's it, whether he's at second or short, he's really good. I mean, he's well above average defensively. I tell people Grissom cannot play defense like Arcia right now at shortstop, and probably never will. I don't know Shoemake. Can play it, but no better than Arcia defensively. He's no better, that's for sure. And Arcia's got a lot better arm. And Arcia's hitting circles around Shoemaker right now. So it ends up they picked the right guy. At least for now, he's the right guy, man. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, he's proven it. And they sent Shoemaker down because they wanted him to work some at second and keep hitting because they weren't sold on just him doing it at spring training because his offensive stats have sucked in the minors. I mean, let's be honest. Well, he's gone down this year in AAA. He's playing mostly second. Grissom is short. Shoemaker playing some short. But Shoemaker has really struggled offensively. Grissom's still hitting like he – I mean, he's he's raking at AAA like he should. Shoemaker's hitting like 185 now, I think, and his OPS is in low 500s. So he he obviously wasn't ready, and they knew it. So they weren't ready to to, to roll the dice and go with the, one of those young guys. They went with the steady uh, veteran, and he surpassed all expectations, RCS. Yep. Um, yeah, I asked uh, I asked Strider about it after he came out of the game last night. I said, how relieved were you guys when you got the news that uh, that uh, RCS, uh x-rays were negative, that he didn't have a fracture? And uh, uh, let, me, let me find this. Uh, he said, yeah, that would have been, he said, just the way RC is going right now, that would have been the worst thing ever, Strider said. <laughs> he said, so definitely felt for him and glad it's not too serious and hopefully he's able to get back out there as soon as possible. Snit said, uh, they both, RC has said no on the IL when we asked him. He understood that part and he didn't even need that translated. He said no. Uh, Snit said, Snit kind of, characterized it as uh, he's going to be sore today. They're going to treat him up all day. They got an off day, which really helps. And then they can treat him up all morning tomorrow. He made it sound like the IL is not likely. So, because if they think he's only going to miss a couple of days, which they'll, that's fine, they could play Adrian's at short for a day and then get him in there. So they won't IL him for, you know, uh, 10 days if they don't, if they don't think he'll only need to miss one or two games. So, but that no. part decision probably won't be made until tomorrow. Good, very good news. Yeah, the way he's playing. I mean, because they've had a little spate of injuries here after having a pretty healthy spring. They've had some guys go down, and so far they've been able to compensate for it. I mean, you lose Michael Harris. That's a pretty big blow, but uh, yeah, the guys have filled in pretty well oh. in center. Oh, so the, the Braves have put themselves – they put themselves in a tier of teams 
you know, a very small tier. I mean, we know the Dodgers are in it. Yeah. Right. You know, and even, Astros. even, even teams like the Astros definitely, but even teams like a, you know, like a, like a San Diego. Yes, they are loaded, but yeah. they do not have the depth. Right. They can't exactly. afford to lose Soto. They can't afford to lose right. Blake Snell or Machado. You know, Nick Martinez or Machado. They can't do it. And they yeah. can't, they, whoever's coming in to fill their spot is not um, on the same level as who comes in for the Dodgers, who comes in for the Braves, who fills right. in for the Astros. And it's, it's just, the truth, a, I mean, man. look at the Phillies. Right. The Phillies have lost Harper and now Hopkins. I mean, that's big blows. But yeah. if the Braves, if the Braves were to lose Michael Harris, and then pick one more guy, you know, that's still an elite team. And the Dodgers are built that way too. And, you know, that's what this game is. Like we've just discussed the whole bullpen depth. You know, we, everyone knows that they were picking starting a starting rotation out of about 10 guys. Like who can, yeah. who can say that? And you they've know, lost and the like lineup, four of them nine. to injuries. They've lost like four of the starters to injuries early on, but instead of thrusting some guy in there, some non-prospect, you know, and, and crossing your fingers, They've got legitimate yeah. guys. Like, look, like Elder comes up and he's pitched his ass off two times already. Yeah. So, yeah, what you're saying is so true, man. And people that outside the game or that don't, you know, they kind of maybe uh, uh, poo-poo when they talk about keeping depth and that kind of thing. But that's where Alex is so elite as a GM. He is not just making the obvious moves, the sexy moves that get all the attention, the trade for the big guy. He's filling in backfill and getting guys that you're like, they needed another outfielder or they needed another starter. And look at guys like Eli White and Hilliard that are playing center field. So he's not having to play a guy in center that has never played center or can't play it at the major league level. He's putting elite athletes out there that at least can play good defense. And Hilliard's had a couple of big knocks too. Yeah. And catcher, yeah. You lose an all-star catcher, Darno, and you got Murphy there. And talking about Alex in the past, I mean, I've said it before. I mean, coming from the Dodgers, being with Andrew Friedman, like Farhan Sahidi was over there for right. a while. You can't, you can't replace what kind of what what they what they do over there, and and but you can learn it and and apply it. And Alex right. absorbed it and soaked it in. And the goal over there with the Dodgers, I mean, I have some friends over there. They they want to build a major league. 40 man roster, not just a 25 man roster, but a 40 man roster that's going to have a war that is way better than yours. That's their goal. Top to bottom, 40 guys, highest war in the game. And that's depth. And Alex is is copying and taking whatever it is that that they've got over there. And he's done it in his own way with his own twist. And it is, it's been outstanding. I mean, since he walked in the door, he's changed everything. And yeah. This team, I mean, it's no, no more are we just, you know, hey, we've got this guy making 20, 30 mil and this guy, and if they go down, we're screwed. Oh, I mean, we're we're set. I mean, he makes the trade for Murphy, and I've said, I said during spring training that I thought Murphy's trade is going to end up being probably the biggest transaction that the Braves made and maybe any team in the league made. I mean, that's it's that big with the rule changes and all that. He jumped right on that after those rule changes went into effect, made that trade now instead of waiting a year for Darno to get older. And you get him and you're like, are they going to keep Darno too? And what happens if you look at Darno's track record, he has yeah. a lot of freaky injuries. He has an yeah. injury. He's only had like two or three healthy years in his whole career. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. They lose Darno yeah. a week into the season. You know hey, what do you think about that player? The concussion play? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I don't I don't have really any thoughts on it. I mean, it's just not, nothing stood out to me. Did you think it was a little, you know, should have been called a different way? No, I was just, you know, it's I always ask position players on something like that. Like, should he have slid or tried to avoid it or you know, it happens fast, so yeah. Um, I try to just let a position player tell me whether I should be pissed off or not. You know, when it's when it happens to somebody on my team. <laughs> no, I mean it. It seemed it's been all right. I didn't. I didn't have a problem with it personally, but and the fact that the Braves, none of them, even like off the record, were yeah. saying like, "Oh, we'll see when we get out to San Diego." Right. I thought Odour's explanation. I mean, I thought it was legit. I know people were pissed because you see one of your your favorite guys go down. And yeah. it looks like, you know, with the new rules, that's not supposed to happen. But you cannot just uh, uh, make rules that eliminate the violence in the game. It's a rough game. There's going to be yeah. plays like that at the plate. The throws take you into the play sometime, or you have to dive over to try to make a stop. And I thought Odor, who tore up his knee on a really similar play the last time he did it, so he didn't want to go sliding in feet first. Because as a runner, that happens a lot. Look what happened to O'Neill Cruz. Yeah. It was a bad slide, but you see what happened. Um, and then he said he was going to go in head first. And if you look at the video, he is leaning forward like he's about to dive. And then he thought, if I do that now, we could have a head-to-head collision. And they could have. Yeah. The way they were coming over, it could have been head-to-head on the helmet-to-helmet. So I thought that's that uh, that sounded sincere, his his explanation for it. Uh, you know, and Darno just kind of. He could have done that. He could have just waved at him, you know, with the yeah, gloves. Yeah, got a swipe tag or something. But and then you might get you your arm taken off. Be. Right. Look what happened when he did that. You know, he got his thumb torn up on that play against Toronto a couple of years ago, where he missed half the season when he tore the thumb ligament. 
So it's just Catching's catching is tough, position. man. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason yeah. not many catchers last 15, 20 years. It, it's like one thing if you're an outfielder that's always getting hurt and having weird injuries. You know, you kind of get that label. But for a catcher, it's yeah. like you get a free pass if you've had some freak injuries and weird stuff because there's just so many uh, strange plays, foul balls, different things that can wind up hurting you. Even a foul ball can give you a concussion. You know, I know David Ross got a few of those. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't question Darno's durability at all. So if they had not made that trade though, right now you would have as your catchers Contreras and Trump. And yep. while Contreras was an all-star, that was for his hitting last year. Yep. He's okay as a catcher, but he's not even in the league with Murphy or right. even Darno really, as far as calling a game. He's just learning yeah. still as a young catcher, you know, learning how to handle a pitching staff. And and with these young pitchers they've got, that would not have been a good recipe to have it. Contreras have to play every day, basically, or Trump in there. So, I mean, that try trade is looking golden right now. I asked, I asked uh, Sean Murphy. I said, "Are you prepared?" When he had the walk off home run to dead center the other night, I asked yeah. him. I said, "Are you prepared now?" Because that was the day after Darno uh, was hurt. Uh, I said, "Are you prepared to play every day if that's what they need you to do?" And he went, "Absolutely." So, I mean, he's a yep. big, strong dude. It looks like he could play all one sixty two if he needs to. He seems that like that yeah, that tough leader, you know, that guy you look look to as a. Those were the guys I liked to catch you, like kind of tough, yeah, hard nosed dudes. You know, he seems like he fits that mold perfectly. It it looks like he didn't. He forgot to take the hanger out of his shirt when he walks in too. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. He oh, takes some sho- big hacks. The shoulders are like this. The shoulders are just square, man. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I didn't even mention what Arcio is hitting, by the way. He's 333, two homers, seven ribbies, 400 OBP, and 911 OPS. And that's like, man, that was hitting ninth in the first 10 games of the season or nine games of the season, something like that. He entered Wednesday, tied for eighth in the majors in hard hit balls, too. He's crushing balls. Tied for ninth in the league in runs with 10. Him and Acuna both had 10. So, yeah, he's been huge down at the bottom of the order and now moving up in the order. So, you lose a gold glove shortstop a year after losing Freddie. And the team is just, so far, they've just kept going. And they, they legitimately might have a better team than they had last year, even though they won 101 games last year. When they get healthy, this is going to be a better team yeah. than it was last year. When they get healthy. Well, that's the thing about be. bringing all your guys back. You know, I mean, having these guys for such a long time is you got so many guys that are still getting better. You know, it's not an old team where it's you're. Right. Remember that Phillies team? You were just waiting for Father Time to kick in, and you knew that they didn't have anybody yeah. else coming behind them. They were going to have to do a full rebuild. Like this team is just full of young guys locked up for eternity. Philly waited too long, and the Red Sox waited too long after their World Series to get because they they want to go for it one more time, and yeah. they don't want to disappoint their fans. But you make that mistake, and I, and Alex is prepared to to stand by his decisions to not overcommit in length to a guy and you're like, oh man, I'd make an exception for Freddie or Dansby for Freddie. Yeah. He won't do it. And I think ultimately five years from now, he's going to be looking pretty good for not doing it. But we'll he see. Might. Oh, for sure. But that guy's oh, confident. Yeah. That's a guy with gravitas as a GM, president of baseball operations, job security. It's been told you run the show, man. Whatever you think is best. And every time he goes to him and asks him for more money, they they give it to him because they know if he wants it, there's a reason. Yeah, now this this it. organization's <laughs> in great hands with him. I tell you what, whatever they have is a limit for what they would pay executives. If somebody like the Dodgers, if if Friedman moves on, or or if somebody moves on from one of these teams and goes after Alex, 
If I'm the Braves, I'm matching it because this guy, oh, you yeah. do not want to lose this guy. He no. might be the hardest no. guy to replace in the organization right now. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So, but well, he'll, he'll, I'm guessing there's going to be some Braves like Perry already left, and you know there's going to be other yeah. guys coming up. And I mean, you, yeah. you see that model with the Dana, Tampa Bay Rays and the Dodgers. Dana's the GM and, with Houston now. Dana, yeah. So I, I, I suspect you know things happen, but you know we certainly are in a good spot. That's for sure. That's pretty good. Two of his assistants for as little time as he's been here already. Two of his assistants are GMs on other teams now, and they're yep. and they're and they're big and they're big market teams, the Astros and the Angels. So, oh yeah, yeah. Dana hurts losing him as scouting director. We won't know how much it hurts until later. Obviously, they I mean they didn't replace him in season because it's too late to get a scouting director. Really, for you know other teams are. You're gonna to want to go after some a good scouting director when you do that after the after the season's over. But anyway, um, hey, last night I wanted to ask you, Eric, about Snit called it maybe the best mound visit he's seen because the results. <laughs> Strider just lauded his pitching coach for come out and 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 in so many words saying, you know, I think the words that he used were something along the lines of, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> Strider put it as. He asked me, am I okay? In so many words, words I won't use here. But but Crandy went out there when he was dilly-dallying around, walked a guy, threw 94, 95-mile-an-hour fastballs on a ball four, ball three and four in a four-pitch walk. That inning was going, it was like, what? What is going on? And Cranny went out to him and and they and he and he balked on a would-be strike three. He balked because he didn't yeah. come set. And then he loses the guy because he ends up walking him. So that was when Cranny went out there because it, it loaded the bases. Cranny went out there and lit a fire under him. And basically, Strider told him, this isn't spring training, man. These are not the bullpens. This is not time to work and make everything yeah. perfect. Because he's And Strider made, said he made him realize, I've been worried too much about pacing myself, yeah. slowing my delivery, doing all this shit, trying to go seven, eight innings instead of, you know, perfecting what he did last year, trying to go deeper instead of just going after people like he did last year. And yeah. he said it took Kranitz coming out and saying that to him to make him realize, you know, he's right. And that's not what I do best. I need to just go after people and be competitive every pitch. And that's what he did. And uh, it was night and day after that. He retired the last nine batters he faced, struck out five of the last seven, and after his velo was down 96, 97 most of the night, he was going 98, 99. His last pitch of the game, he struck out the last two batters on six pitches total. Last pitch was 99, six, so 100. Yeah. You know, everybody has a different, everybody has a different mentality that they thrive with. You know, there's, there are a lot of major league pitchers that can, that can place, that can spot up, you know, make their pitches. They like to think their way through an outing and, and that's good for them. But if you're not one of those guys, you know, and you get you you get critiqued so much in the major leagues. Whether it's right. you know, you're not going deep enough in the games, or you're 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 throwing you're going too deep in counts, or all you do is throw hard. There's always these criticisms, and it's it's your natural tendency as a player to want to fix that. You know, you want to be perfect. You want to show you can pitch too. And I think right. I saw him say something like last night he was trying to go deeper in the game and pace himself. And what she said he's been doing for the first three starts. And a lot of guys don't thrive in that mindset. You know, it, even for me as a reliever, if I tried to come in and make pitches or whatever. I had to come in and just be pissed off and throw it as hard as I could. It only said 92, 93 up there, but I was throwing it as hard as I could 
because that effort level matched up with, you know, my delivery, my best control was at max effort. And right. there's a lot of guys that the best life on their balls at max effort. When they try to take a little off, the slider hangs, right. you know, the fastball loses that extra gear. And I noticed that there was a lot of foul balls, you know, on those pitches up in the zone that normally when it's a hundred, right. they swing right through. So sometimes it just kick, takes a kick in the ass and somebody telling you to snap out of it and telling you it's okay, you know, fuck, go for it, you know, let it eat and, and yeah. get after these guys because you're not being yourself right now. And just perfect timing on that mound visit, you know, and, and good job spotting that. Yeah, he said a pick. Hey guys, a good- I got to run. Oh, sorry, Kelly. Kelly's Kelly's got things to do. So uh, thanks so much for being on here, Kelly. We really appreciate it. We'll have you on again soon, man. Good talking awesome. to you, Kelly. Good chat with you guys. Yeah, man. You guys. Well, Kelly's doing some radio. radio for, Kelly's doing some Braves radio, you guys, for people that didn't know about that. He's doing a few uh, series this year, so be on the lookout for that. Thanks, Kelly. He's gone. Um, but, yeah, that so, mom visit, I mean, for me is just, you know, it's just sometimes. And, and when it's coming from your pitching coach, too, you're like, okay, gloves off. Let's go. You know, I mean, right. it just seemed like it snapped him into attack mode versus um, pitch mode. And I don't want to say pitch mode's bad, but right. some guys just thrive in uh, that aggressive attack. I'm giving it everything I have. And, you know, five or six Shetty's a lot better than seven with four runs or five runs. Right. Because last year, if you look at it, he spent the first couple of months in the season in the bullpen yeah. and was just going out there and letting it eat. Go as far as long as you can. So yeah. he had a couple of two, uh, maybe even with three. I think it was more like two and a third, two and two thirds. So they said, let's move him to the rotation. But they didn't want him to change anything when they did. Just said, go as hard as you can for as long as you can. But don't pace yourself. Well, you know, being a cerebral guy like he is, he had an incredible season last year. Fastest pitcher ever to 200 strikeouts. Low ERA. Uh, he had time to think about it in the offseason. I think he thought, okay, if I just control it a little more, pace it a little more, I yeah. go seven or eight innings instead of five, six innings. I'll be a Cy Young candidate or whatever. Yeah. So, but that, like you said, that doesn't work for him. And the difference in '96 or '97 is going in last night. His average velo this year was 97.2. Last year was 98.2. Yeah, and he's throwing a lot more 96s. Where last year was a lot more 99, 100, 101. And he hadn't yeah. been hitting those. That makes all the difference for a guy like him that operates up in that zone come from that angle we've talked about where guys just can't catch up with it. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I noticed it in my career. We, I think we talked about this the last episode, but a, an aggressive uh, convicted pitch versus right. a scared pitch or a, just a not, you know, not 100% all in on this pitch type of throw. The ones that you're like 85% sure of get crushed every time. But whenever yeah. you throw a pitch with 100% conviction – it, something about the direction of your body, the fearlessness, everything coming right at that target, uh, it just gives the ball a different life. And the hitters feel that aggression. And, and you just get away with stuff and, and balls get popped up. Um, it's just – it's a different mentality. And and some guys, you know, like Zach Grinke, he can do anything he wants with a baseball. And he's so smart and he's been doing it so long that like that pitching going out there and controlling it in that, in that way – you know, it works for him. But other guys, I just need to hit the, pit, the catcher to put down a sign. And yeah. I'm throwing the shit at, as hard as I can right at the glove. And anytime I was in that mindset in my career, it worked. And so that's like a reliever mindset. You get transferred to the starting rotation. The big thing about that jump was there was low expectations for the depth he was going to give you. Right. So you get a free pass. If you wind right. up going four innings and striking right. out nine, it's like, 
oh, he's still building. He can keep building. And you are still building, but you don't ever have that thought of, I got to go six, I got to go seven, I got to go eight. And ideally he gets to that point, but maybe it's not a, um, you know, an effort level adjustment as much as it's a conditioning thing or just doing it over and over and just building up that, uh, that stamina in that way of like, here's my stamina at my effort level. I need to succeed. And I think that'll be a valuable lesson for him that he probably learned last night. I mean, the Braves would take the season he had last year as a starter. Any, over any a full, year. Any year. Yeah, yeah. We don't need you to go any longer. If you, that's what you do, that's what Especially you do. Especially with that, their pen. You're right, not losing exactly. games in the seventh. Exactly. So the first inning last night, he looked like just such a mortal, such a normal, good pitcher. But they were yeah. singling him. It's like, what is yeah. going on? This didn't happen last year. They get two runs that inning. Then he loads the bases in a third with none out, you know. And that balk was like he did his little spin at the end of it on strike three, and then the umpire ruled balk. Said, got and they the never call that. Never. Right. I he got come set. that like every time I pitched, the, the ump always warned me at least once, hey, make sure you come set. And it rattled and then, him because next yeah. two were, ball, were balls, and he walked it. Yep. Well, that's that. When you do your little twirl and you think you're out of the inning, yeah. that's that mental shutdown and then having to kick it back on that kind of it throws you off your game for a minute. So Cranny picked the right time to come out there and just like before that could have, because they were one hit away from getting in another two or three runs, you know, or grand yeah. slam. I mean, yeah. so, but at, at, at lit a fire on me. He said, uh, if Strider said, you know what? A good pitching coach knows when to come out and light a fire. And that's the mark of a good pitching coach. And, and, and he know and he certainly knows when to do it. And so, he knows who perfect. can handle it. You know, right. there's, there's certain right. guys you got to go out there and kind of tiptoe around it, but, yeah, he's when not. You Blake got a Snell. horse like Strider. You can go out there and just say, "Let's let's fucking go. like snap out of it, buddy. It's time." Yeah. So he comes out there with uh, bases loaded, none out, and the only run they got after that was Will Myers ground out infield yep. ground out. That's it because he retired the last nine batters he faced. So that's a huge momentum thing for him. And I think right now that right last night will probably end up being the key to his season because I think when he comes out next time, I think we're going to see the strider yeah. from last year. He's going to start the game in that mode. You know yep. I mean? 99. But you got to learn those lessons. You know I mean? He can't, you can't learn that lesson without going through it and realizing that's not me. And he'll probably answer. Now you can answer questions about this the rest of your career. If anybody questions, you know, why aren't you going deeper into games right. or why are you throwing 101 in the first with nobody on? Right. And he's like, that's who I have to be to be my best. And you could point to this little, like this game, you can point to any moment and say, I tried that. Okay. Right. It's not that I haven't tried it. It doesn't work for me. Next question. <laughs> you know? So right. it's a good thing. It's a good experience for him. So he ends up going five and he's charged with four hits, three runs, two walks. And for, you know, a, a, a bad start when you can do that and still get nine strikeouts. Yeah. So now he's got uh, he's got seven straight games with nine strikeouts or more, and he's won from John Smoltz's franchise record. Um, His fastball is just when he lets it eat. Uh, I mean, good luck. You got to run into it. You got to get lucky. He needed seventy five pitches in the first three innings, twenty three in the last two, yeah. and that's with five strikeouts in the last <laughs> seven batters. I'm telling you that 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 aggressive, convicted pitch. You know, it's. That, that's another reason why you see so many young guys come up, and especially if they get hit early on. Like that was the worst thing that could have happened to Schuster's giving up a knock on yeah. his first pitch. Yeah. Now, you, now you're like, oh, sh- you know, can I hang in this league? And you're asking yourself questions. You get timid, start fiddling around the zone. Then when you finally come in the zone, you're still not that convinced you can do this, you know, or that it's a great stu- pitch or your stuff's good enough. And that's when you get rocked. And 
when you're convicted, it's like you throw a fastball right down the middle on a tee and it's a pop out to center field. Yeah. Strider in the postgame interview, man, it's like, I'm just watching him going, you know what? I could count on one hand the number of guys that I've ever interviewed after a baseball game who are as composed, mature, smart as this guy that take criticism the right way, learn from mistakes. Instead of having to hang in his head after that game, he's so matter of fact, he's still got a sense of humor. I mean, he was just, this is the way, if you're a pitching coach, you're like, that's the way I want a guy to react to the, you know, what I'm trying yeah. to tell him. He Today's- says, he says, I feel like I sort of, it goes, not my best effort for sure. He said, I feel like I sort of put the team in a bad spot. You got to credit them for picking me up and finding a way to win the game. I got to get better. It's early. There's a lot of time to do that, but I'm certainly not pleased with my performance. And I give credit to Cranny for coming out there and saying some things to me that I won't repeat. I think that's what I needed to hear. That's the mark of a good coach is knowing when to light the fire. And he definitely does. I mean, it just sounds like he knew exactly what he needs to do going forward. We asked him about the dip in his velo this year. Because, you know, everybody sees that and they're, and they're so uh, they're so ingrained to think, uh-oh, Tommy John, uh-oh, he's got an injury. No, maybe it's he's trying to pitch. With <laughs> yeah, he said, you're right, and I'm aware of that. Sal, talking about Sal Fasano, the catching coach, who talks to, by the way, like he's talked to Strider between innings, like every inning for since Strider came up last year. They talk like every inning. Sal's a smart dude. Yeah. But he talks, to, he talks to him after every inning. And he said, uh, Sal and I were talking about that. I think some of that I've, that I've been struggling with is what I've been struggling with is I've been trying to pace myself and worry about going deep in the game and being economical. That's not what I do. What will allow me to do those things is competing with my strengths, and that's throwing with full intensity and being fully engaged and aware every pitch. I haven't been doing that, so that's my fault. Fortunately, the team's picked me up these last two starts, but consequently, I haven't given my best effort. That's sort of my ex- an external gauge of my intensity, I think, is my velocity. And so to see it kind of pick up at the end of the game was comforting and just a confirmation that I need to find a bit more competitive edge in me that I've been displaying than I've been displaying my last couple of starts. Yeah. I mean, I think you saw a similar that that's probably similar to what DeGrom was. Yeah. Because everybody likes to point out that his he's thrown harder each and every year, but maybe right. he's just learned that it's okay to be at 98% effort. You know? Yeah. It's, it's just, these are all just lessons you learn along the way and everybody finds their gear. There's also on the flip side, there's guys that go out and they throw as hard as they can and it lights up the gun and they get shit on and they realize like, Hey, I can take a little off and, and make pitches and, and I can do it this way. I can move the ball a little bit. You know, maybe I could throw more off speed. I don't just have to be brain dead out here, but each guy, you know, there's not there's not one formula that works for everybody, and some guys got to live in that very high, uh, convicted, angry, aggressive mindset, or that everything changes and they just start getting hit. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've I've, I've been of the school of Smoltz talking about Degrom that you know he's not going to last until he takes a little off, but maybe that's Degrom. Maybe he's like Strider. Maybe they are two of a kind, and maybe Degrom knows that won't work for me throwing ninety six, ninety five. You know. Yeah, and he, Degrom doesn't miss. I mean, and same with Strider. He's still, he's still making pitches. It's not like when he jumps up to a hundred, it's all right. over the place. He's right. still making pitches at a hundred, and for him to make a pitch, you know, a great pitch for him is middle up in the zone. Yeah. Or or middle down the zone or or he can hit corners. Same with DeGrom. DeGrom paints. So whatever effort level he's painting at, yeah. I don't, if the gun says 101, fine. Fortunately for Strider, he's much younger. He's only had the TJ, but not other injuries. The oblique is like, you know, a lot of people get obliques. But so far, knock on wood, 
he's in such great shape and he's so his mechanics are so smooth and he's got you know we've talked about you know how much he uses his leg so maybe he'll be able to avoid all that kind of crap that Degrom goes through being a tall rangy guy that uh, but we'll see the other big development last night that was so comforting for the Braves was seeing Eddie Rosario get some results because he's been he's had he's a been really the ball he's been killing the ball but yeah. no results I mean not yeah. bad luck. Last night he hits the go-ahead homer, proves to be the game-winning homer, uh, crushed a high fastball. Uh, it was funny, after we was talking, it was off Buck Farmer. I asked him about it last night because it was really high up in the zone. And he said it was a high fastball. I faced him a lot when he was with Detroit and I was with Minnesota. And I know he likes to throw high heat on 2-2 fastballs, so I was kind of ready for it. Yep. These guys don't forget, man. Oh, no. I, I forget now, but – while I was playing, you know, you could ask me in about in a, a May at bat from 2007, or like when I was telling you, I gave up a home run to Nelson Cruz on the exact yeah. same pitch. Like you remember, you remember those things forever. You know, I couldn't remember what I ate for breakfast, but you could ask me about a pitch from six years ago that you know to Marlon Bird, and I'd tell you the whole at bat. And it's weird, but Chipper it's so was, it's such important information. Chipper was crazy how he could remember, yeah. like take you through an at bat. Pitch by mm-hmm. pitch from 10 years previous, man. Yeah. I was like, oh, holy shit, what? dude. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, Snit on Strider last night before we move on from Strider. Snit said, I told him because we said, we, we, Snit came in after Strider in the interview room. We said Strider talked about how he's been trying to pace himself and it hasn't worked. That's why his velo's down, he thinks. And Snit said, I told him when he came out, he's still learning. He hasn't experienced this yet. He burst on the scene last year, struck everybody out, and then you come in and now you're more aware of what's going on. It just kind of seemed like one inning kind of got away from him a little bit. And I think Cranny's visit was probably the best visit I've ever seen. Got him refocused on what he's what he was doing. And then he finished really, really well and efficient throwing the ball again. So they're going to go through this. He's a young starter that's still learning. He hasn't experienced a whole lot yet. But just to see how he corrected things tonight was very encouraging, I think, for the next time it happens. Yeah, that's a score one. You know, for me, that's also a score one for the dinosaurs moment because you can yep. bring in a lot of coaches that can give you all the numbers and tell you what you're supposed to do. But right. that feel and understanding pitchers and knowing this guy needs a kick in the ass right now. Right. You know, he doesn't need to be told what pitch to throw or what his mechanics are doing. He needs someone to go out there and handle that mental side of it, that's like break your point. ass up. You know, those, nothing those on that analytics. Nothing that, on that analytics not. page that would tell him now's the time to go talk to him. No. Nothing. That's total feel. But, or or maybe it is time to talk about what to say. You know? Right. Total All feel. Of it, it's a feel thing. He walks and that's, guy. that's just an experienced baseball man. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, Ozuna is the kind of the black cloud hanging over the team right now in 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 in, in, in his performance, I should say. Not not the cancer people think he is in a clubhouse. I've talked about that before. The guy's fine in the clubhouse. The guys like him and all that. But his yeah. performance stinks right now. And Snit's in a bad spot. He's a tough spot because, you know, he's on the roster. That's not Snit's decision. He's owed $37 million, including this year, next year, and the buyout. And the Braves have tried to give him as many opportunities as they can. And he's going to keep getting them for now because with Darno out, that's the other DH, the, the main DH they'd be using. And you don't have that with Darno out. So he's not going to get better on the bench either. No, no. 
And, you know, he had a good spring. He hit balls hard. And you feel bad for Snick because he's up there trying to explain, you know, hey, he had a good spring, but now Stinson, but now's what counts, you know? Yeah. Spring doesn't count. But now I, I don't know if I've ever heard a Brave get booed that loud. I text you when it happened because yeah. I could hear it on TV. Yeah. That was the only time I've heard a Brave probably get booed that loud at Truist Park, at least. And going back now, you, 20 years I've covered them anywhere. The only Brave I can remember getting booed that loud at home. Was Ozuna after one of the after the arrest, the DV, the domestic violence right. arrest? After that, he got booed pretty loud for a, a while. After that, yeah, and that has a lot to do with it. You know, it's not just his performance. Right, it's not just performance because they wouldn't be booing. The Braves crowd is closer to it's not St. Louis because St. Louis they don't boo their own like it, unless it's really really bad. But the Braves crowd is clo- a lot closer to that than it is to say the other end of the spectrum, Philadelphia or New York. New York, you know? yeah. Brace crowd does not eat its own. They don't boo their own their people. They're loyal. It takes a lot to really piss them off. But having a guy hit a little dribbler with the bases loaded, you know, or strike out with the bases loaded, on top of having been arrested twice, and they know exactly how much money he's making, why he's on the team, all that's played out in public these days. So he's going to have to live with it. The only way he's going to turn it around is by hitting. That's it. Yeah. You can smile all you want, and do everything, but you're going to have to hit. Especially when you're only playing a lot of outfield, you're DH and you got one thing to do and you got to hit. Yeah. No, he does. That, I mean, that's that's why it caught my attention because I can't really remember. Yeah. I mean, in New York, you could cure cancer. And if you strike out three times right. that night, you're getting booed off the exactly. field. Exactly. But in in Atlanta, I can't remember too many occasions. I know BJ took some boos a, a, a few times cause, just because he had a big deal, but he was still a good guy. Uh, the stuff that happens off the field, though, you know, and then you're not performing, and it's the same thing, you know. That if you're performing, if you're if you're hitting 350 with six homers right now, you're getting cheered, you know, regardless yep, of what absolutely. you do off the field. But the combination absolutely. of some off the field stuff and struggling with a contract, you know, it's like the perfect formula to get, you know, to get booed when you struggle. So. I, I feel for any player um, that goes through that because it is not a good feeling, and you already know you suck, but. Yeah. It's getting to that point where I think sometimes, I think sometimes though, I think it does start to force the issue a little faster. If a guy's on the fence and, and you hear the whole stadium boom, yeah. Um, yeah. I think teams tend to react a little faster in those situations. Yeah. If he's not hitting when Darno comes back, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how far, much farther they'll go before they're willing to eat because they're going to have to eat it right now. I mean, you, if you trade him, you're not going to get team to pick up hardly any of that. And they're not going to lump a good prospect. This is not like the rebuilding days when they're trying to shed payroll and they traded Kimbrell to get rid of BJ Upton. They're not going to do that right right now. They're not doing that. They're not going to get rid of a good prospect to get rid of this guy. So uh, they just eat it if they have to at some point. But uh, I didn't even mention that Olsen's 448 foot home run the other night, 118.6 mile exit velo. It was hardest, hardest hit Homer in the majors this season. Hardest hit ball ever by a Brave in the StatCast era. 118.6. Man, I thought Acuna would have gotten. Tyler Flowers had the previous high, 118.5. That was like on a single. A couple of big dudes. Yeah. Yeah, Acuna's got a lot of them really high, but just not quite there. But yeah, Olsen, man, has got that leverage when he gets extended. Yeah, he's in a, I mean, he's just, like Kelly said, when a guy comes into spring training locked in like that, and you know that I think we talked about it, but it's you don't put too much emphasis on a minor league guy doing it or somebody that's never had a big season. But when you see a vet, 
you know, that's that's not going to be overwhelmed by any type of pitching. It's more up to him. Yeah, you know, it's more up to his swing. That tells you his swing's locked in. And when you have some changes to back it up, you know, if a guy comes in and he's just raking to start the year and shrugging, like, I don't know. It's one thing. But when he says, no, here's everything I did to change and I feel that good about it. And then they go out and back it up. I mean, this could be it could be a crazy steal of a deal the Braves got on him. That came in the same game that was Kyle Wright's season debut, which did not go well, but it was really just one terrible inning, the third yeah. inning. Um, none of the guys I talked to were at all concerned. They said his first game back, adrenaline rush, all that. Yeah. He'll be fine because the stuff was there. He was throwing hard. Uh, the first two innings were fine, but the third inning just went. It was like one of those old Kyle Wright innings that he just could not get out of. Uh-huh. Like last year, it didn't happen like that. He, he was able to get out of those innings before they spiraled. And this one spiraled, but he said it felt great. The shoulder, and that's all the Braves really cared about. The shoulder felt great. He said, and the ball's coming yeah. out. Snit said the ball's coming out fine. Uh, so they'll they'll worry if it happens again. But nobody seemed concerned at all about that outing. So, you went twenty plus. Yeah, it's going to take a few rough ones for me to worry about you. Right, and he's only made what three starts, I think. Yeah, because it's still so much training camp. for him. Yeah, yeah he missed so much a camp. But without, uh, I wonder if without the injuries, if you know, if he would have gotten another one or two to to sharpen up or not, he would have. I think yeah. he would have. And the really thing stood out to me was how many curveballs he threw because the fastball was he was he had the sinker going. I thought, and I asked him about the curveball. He said because he threw like all curveballs in that third inning. He was walking guys on curveballs, and I and I asked him about it. He said it was the, really the only pitch I had a feel for. He goes, so I, I didn't have the feel for my fastball, even though you know, like I said, he was throwing it with velocity. It just he didn't think he could get guys out with it. He felt in that third inning is about all he could get through was the curveball. So he was throwing tons of them. But I guess that wasn't a big deal. But uh, that's what Yeah, he sometimes, said. I mean, you, you're you getting He's away missing. with a, a pitch and kind of like trying to nip it in the bud, knowing I'm missing a lot with it. Or, right. You know, he this said he was leaving his sinker arm side. He couldn't do anything. Yeah. He was trying. He couldn't do anything about it. And he felt comfortable with the curveball. So yeah, he had a feel for it. said he was going to have uh, – a lot to talk to to Zach Sorensen about this week, the mental performance coach, because he said he usually can he usually can get him right back in line when he talks yeah. to him about it. Baseball twenty twenty three, man. Uh, and then the <laughs> last thing I wanted to ask you about was Freddie Freeman's at bat last night. I was watching that. Oh, our plate appearance, I should say. People call it yeah. at bat. Technically, wasn't because he walked fifteen pitches. And it was the classic Freddie Freeman. I don't know if anybody else in baseball can produce plate appearances like that better than Freddie Freeman does. Fouling off pitches in every quadrant of the strike zone. He's unbelievable when he does that. His hand-eye coordination is just, it's unreal. And his swing's so short. You know, I mean, there was was two or three of those. um, He was, for me, he was obviously sitting slider at the end of that bat or going to do damage on a slider. And there were fastballs right down the middle. He basically hit out of the glove. Um, but I mean, that's lefty, lefty bases loaded. Freddie Freeman as a lefty is like the last guy I want to face in that situation. And I was, I was watching it and I was telling my wife, I was like, if he hangs him a slider here, Freddie is going to hit it over the center field scoreboard. You know, like this yeah. thing's going over the jumbotron if he yeah. hangs it. And he kept, he either would yank it for a ball and Freddie would auto take it like it was nothing. And then he kept hanging him. And I think the only reason he didn't get hurt bad in that at bat is because he kept hanging it up in the zone where Freddie couldn't play the break. You know, it was getting deep on him. But Freddie's yeah. still the guy that can get that. You know, the backup slider is supposed to be the toughest pitch in baseball, and his hand-eye coordination is so good 
Yeah. He could keep fouling those off. And then the fastball down the middle, he's fouling off. But, you know, he's looking to just drive a slider into uh, left center field and staying on everything else. And, you know, as a lefty, there's you're not going to throw him a changeup. So there's nothing else to really do there but just hope Freddie gets himself out. And he didn't. And what a, I mean, it was like a six minute at bat. And that's the thing. Yeah, with that short swing, he doesn't miss one of those pitches. Most nope. guys are going to miss one of them. Or they're going to chase. And then he ends, and he fouled some that were out of the zone, but he didn't yeah. really chase a really bad pitch. And then to draw a walk on that, you almost never see that. Those almost no. always end in a strikeout, yeah. you know? Or, yeah, because he's in swing mode. Mm-hmm. And he spits on that pitch and draws a walk. I'm like, oh my God. If I well, the guy pitcher, had nowhere to go. <laughs> if, if the inning hadn't been a disaster already, the pitcher probably should have tipped his cap to him, but it had been a disaster. The guy threw 30 pitches, 15 of them were strikes, and he walked all four batters because one of them was a pitch violation. <laughs> he threw his glove in the garbage after that, too. Then he walked off the, and threw his glove in the garbage when he came out. The Freddie was the fourth walk and, and, and brought in the go-ahead run. <laughs> yeah, I was watching that. Like, you drew were you watching it live? Yeah. I always throw, I'll throw on a West Coast game, you know, late at night when once we finally uh-huh. get the kids to bed. It's usually Dodger. I can't watch the Mariners. Because I, I want to watch him, but not bad enough to sign up for whatever Hulu or streaming right. program. I just don't want to register. You know, right. I'll pay the money. I just don't want to go through the process and I'm blacked out. But yeah, it's usually Dodgers or Padres or somebody's online. And I, so I get to watch Freddie a lot still. And man, he's he's a special player that I feel pretty blessed to have gotten to see, you know, all the way through his career. Uh, who was the pitcher? Tyler uh... Rogers, Taylor Rogers, I think. Taylor name. Rogers. Yeah, Taylor yeah. Rogers. Is that the guy that used to be with the Marlins? I don't know. I'm not sure, uh, but he's been good for a bit. I mean, it wasn't some dipshit right. lefty. Right. You know, he's, he's been one of their guys for a while. And, your and then boy Muncie, <laughs> Muncie cashed them all in. Reliever, that's the thing that happens to you, especially after you throw your glove away because the baseball gods are watching. But that's the thing that happens to you. You know, after one of those outings, you go sit on the bench. Yeah. Reliever yeah. comes in and Muncie hits a moonshot over the, over the right field yeah. fence. He crushed it. And you're just like, oh, sweet, four runs. Could take me three months to walk that off. Your guy for uh, for the Mariners is finally doing something, man. Hel- Helenic? Gelnick, yeah. Yeah. Man, he's, his numbers have been so bad before this year. Oh, he's, he's just – He's hidden. He, it was all up in his head. Yeah. I, t- I was talking to – I talked to a buddy about it. It's a big Mariners fan. And, you know, it's like that deer in the headlights, putting too much pressure, you know, getting distracted by all the chaos of the big leagues. Yeah. Watching him watch him. Then he had this game last year. He hit like a walk-off or a game-winning single or something. He did something big in the game. So he was going to get the Gatorade shower, and they threw the Gatorade on him. He was just pissed off and annoyed. And that's like, oh, he might be in for – he might be turning things around. It looks like he finally died inside. Yeah. Like this dude's over yeah. it. You know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's finally broken and has nothing to lose. And that's where you need to be sometimes to succeed in the majors. But he's been going off this year. He's put together, man. He's got a base. Oh, he's legs. got it all. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, he's good. He had a ball like 480 last night at uh, yeah. Wrigley. Oh, he destroyed it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, we will do another one of these uh, from San Diego. I'll be in San Diego next week. That's going to be a big series, man. Braves be looking for a little payback after Padres stumped them. Yeah. That's that's those are the game. Those are the series, though. That you you know, as a team, you got to go in and show something because that's who you're going to be seeing. You know, in the, in the postseason, so you want to get. Right. You want to send a message, you know, during the season when you see them too, that that they're going to have their hands full with you. Especially seeing them so soon after they just won three out of four, three straight at your place. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, you yeah, don't want to lose. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to lose that series, even two to one, because then you've lost, what, five out of seven against them, you know? Yep. And then you don't play them again the regular season. So that's kind of weird. You go in the playoffs and they know they had your number. Right. So, it's a, you know, it kind of puts them off on the right foot when the series starts. And I think the Braves are smart to bring to wait because Freed could pitch in a Royal. He'll be eligible to pitch in a Royal series, but they're not going to use him. They'll use him in a Padres series. I think that's smart. Yeah. He'll come back without a rehab start. He, he's been throwing because the injury was, you know, hamstring. So he's kept his arm. He only, he only shut down throwing for like two days. So I think he'll be fine. But oh, so he's just kind of not ready to cover first yet. Right. Right. That's all he hasn't done. He's done other yeah. stuff, fielding bunts, all that. He's thrown off the mound, live BP, that kind of stuff. So. All right, so we'll do it from next week from San Diego. Appreciate it, everybody. 755 is real. We are out.